0: So we're on lesson number five, and as always, I want to try to review things because I want you all to learn some things that I'm saying, not necessarily, you know, my little goofy statements and phrases, but what's the truth say and and how does that fit in our lives. So, lesson one on page on your handout, we have Christ's statements on his words and his church. Because we're looking at our Baptist heritage. And like I said, today we're going to be talking more about the fake church's early fathers. Because I've just thrown them out there, not that I really want to, but I think we should realize, number one, who they are and what they believe, because that will tell you a lot about who they are. So, lesson one, we talked about Christ's statements on his words. And on His church, those will go together. They're, they're like two peas in a pod. In Matthew twenty four thirty five, it says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but something shall not pass away. What is it? My words. My words. And they are Christ's words, okay? Now I know, I'm, I'm repeating myself to the choir, but you know, some of these we have got to have ingrained in our minds. What is a church? And we, we talked about that. Matthew 16:18b, the last half of that verse, Jesus says, "I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it." Now let me tell you, He's thrown everything at the church, including the kitchen sink, including hell itself, and He says, "Hell will not." Not, not that Christ has thrown it. Satan has thrown everything against the against Christ's church. He's tried to exterminate it down through time. And he'd come close several times. But God said, Christ said, my church will will prevail even over the, the gates of hell. And then we talked about the traits or the marks of a biblical New Testament church. And those were in that little book I, I, I gave you all, the Trail of Blood book. It's basically those thoughts. And down through history that's been very important because you can't trace... Ba- a Baptist church by the name down through history because they've not always been called Baptist churches. And today there's Baptist churches that really are not Baptist churches. And so if somebody asks you, you might say, well, what are you, what kind of a church do you go to? Probably the best thing to say was, I go to a Bible-believing church. And then they may ask you, well, which Bible? Because, you know, they're all watered down and you know nobody can know for sure. Have you done a study on it? Well, let me talk to you about that, you know. So, they go together. The Bible and the church go together. In lesson two, we talked about the early church and the definition of the church. You've got eccles, ecclesia. Now, how many of you have heard that word before now? ecclesia. You've heard of that? Okay. Well, yeah, we went through that, but I mean, I, I've heard that term. Of course, I've done a lot of reading and went, done a lot of schooling and all that good, fun stuff. And so I've heard of this, this word before. It's a Greek word, which comes from... It's a compound word. So, you English people in here, and again, Sharon's not here. My wife's there. She's pretty... You're an English professor, right? Well, you should be. So, <laughs> well, anyway, um, it comes from the word ek. Now, that's not the same word that you hear most women talk about today. My wife has this word that she uses when she doesn't like something. It's like, eh. and she does it a certain way. And a couple weeks ago, in one of our Bible assemblies, Desiree was there, and somebody <clears throat> said, I said something. She's like, eh. and I go, my wife says that <laughs> just like that. How do you learn to do that? I think it's a woman thing. I I don't hear the guys say That's that. English, but it's like. Yeah, it must be. It's like eh. it's like they cough something up, and it's it's like they hate this. But anyway, it's not from that. But "ek" means out of, and the "kleio eklesia." The last part of that means a coming together. So you're thinking, "Oh, wait a minute! You got a word that says out of and coming together. How does that fit?" And but to the church, it's you come out of the world and you come together to meet for Christ. And that's what a church is. Okay? So we talked about the first church which was started at Jerusalem on the day that Christ arose from the grave. There is a big discussion in the in the religious world. Well, when did that first church start? Well let me tell you, it didn't get any power until Christ rose from the grave. Now he may have been started to form it with the disciple, with the apostles. But there cannot be no New Testament church until there is a New Testament, and there's no New Testament until the death of the testator. Christ had to die before that church began. It may have it was basically started on the night that Christ arose from the grave and he met the apostles in that inner room. Now it probably was not empowered till the day of Pentecost, but that's when that church started. Okay, so I'm giving you some some higher education in that. Okay, so I I don't know how that's going to help you tomorrow, but you know, religious guys like to study and argue. You know, why this, why that, and you know, and then they do that. I'll pick on the Southern Baptists for a while. We'll all sit around in a circle and talk about, well, what do you think it means, and what do you think it means, what do you think it means? (laughs) Talked about that yesterday. Uh, what does the truth say that it means? I don't care what you think it means. It's like going into the jail. I'm on a pet peeve. We would go into the jail and somebody would go, wow, at church this morning, our pastor Brian said this, this, and this. And I would take that person aside later on. And i go, you know what? Let me give you a little advice. The guys in jail, they don't give a flip about what Pastor Brian said today. You do because he's your pastor and he's teaching you the Word of God. They don't care. Just take it back to the Bible. Just take it back to the Bible. And uh, that's what we need to do. So, where am I at? I'm going on a rant I shouldn't have. Um, so, the church was started the day that Christ arose from the grave. Other churches were formed by disciples of Christ going home from Jerusalem to their home cities and preaching the gospel. And as a result, churches were formed. And let me just ask you, I want you guys, when you read the Bible, do you guys think have questions when you read the Bible? I know a couple couple of weeks ago on Wednesday night, Brian asked, anybody have any Bible questions? And nobody, it was crickets. And he goes, well, guys, you're not reading your Bibles, because if you're reading your Bibles, you're having questions. And I'm like, well, I have a few questions I'd like to ask you, but I don't want to cause a big scene, so <laughs> okay. But uh, you're always going to have questions, and I, I think about things. And so the 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 night that Jesus rose from the dead, they're meeting in the inner in the inner uh, room, right? if some I, I, it's an inner room. I don't know whose house it was. It must have been Mary's or somebody's One of the Marys. And but there's two men, and they're on the road to. No? Emmaus. Why were they? Did you ever? Now, how many of you have read that? Have you read that in the Bible? Okay. Did you ever stop and wonder, where are these? Why were they going to Emmaus? They meet Jesus on the road. And they're so excited, they turn around and they go right back to Jerusalem to let the guys in the inner room know they saw Jesus. And they're like, yeah, we saw Him too. He disappeared here 15 minutes ago. I mean, I don't know when. But He appeared the same night there. Why were they going to Emmaus? I have a feeling they lived there. They were going home. They were at Jerusalem. They saw things that took place. But you know, at the end of the day... You're either staying with a friend or you're going back home. Well, they were on their way back home, so there are people that saw things that took place, and yet at some point they had to go home. Okay, so and as a result of them going home, they preach the gospel to people. People get saved, and guess what? You get a church. I don't know if you guys think about things like that, but but I do. And then the next bullet point says still other churches were formed because of persecution and people leaving Jerusalem and going to other cities and again preaching the gospel. And as a result, churches were started. Okay, an example of that would be the church at Antioch. They were formed, And the thing about the church of Antioch, it had Gentiles and Jewish people in it. You got when, when Saul got saved on the road to Diana? Damascus. He was going there to basically get the church at Damascus and imprison them which Ananias was the main guy how'd that church get started? So I mean it got started because first of all because they just went back home to their home, the Jews did. Basically Jewish people had been at the feast that saw what happened at Passover and then you got churches, the last bullet point were formed by people being specifically sent out to preach the gospel, and as a result, churches were started. Okay, that's lesson two. Lesson three, we talked about early church fathers up until around 250 AD, and we also talked about some early church heresies. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit in a minute. Lesson four groups of New Testament churches and their leaders up to 1,500 by all these different names, the Donatists, the Waldenses, the Politians, the Aborigines, the Petributions, all these guys were basically, all these churches were named by their leaders. And a lot of times that church would be in existence for several hundred years and they would spread out and that whole group would be called by that name. And they would be basically run for, for maybe a couple hundred years until eventually the Catholic Church wiped them out. Mm-hmm. I mean, study the history. What happened to the Waldensians? What happened to these guys? They were hunted down and killed. So that was lesson four. Okay, Now we're at lesson five. We're going to move on a little bit. So I'm going to talk about the false church trying to exterminate the true churches and the continuing of the heresies they invented. So that's where we are tonight, or today. Let me make sure I've got my notes here. So we're going to talk about some early church fathers. So turn it over in your Bible to Acts chapter 20. Acts 20. Acts chapter 20. And we're going to go to verse 26 and this is Paul speaking and I believe he's talking to the elders of Ephesus here and in verse 26 of Acts chapter 20 it says wherefore I take I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God Paul's basically said guys how long was he at Ephesus two years at one point And on several, on the last two trips, he had stopped by there. He had left Timothy there. He had left uh, um, Apollos and, what's Apollos is the man, what's the wife's name? Apollos and Priscilla there at one point. And he's on his way back to Jerusalem, and he stops at Ephesus. He actually stops at, I believe, Miletus and calls for the people to come down there. And he's declaring this to He goes, I've given you everything I've got. I've given you everything I know. Okay. Verse 28, he says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves, and to all the flock over whom which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church which he has purchased with his own blood. He's given them, he's given them instruction. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also, here's what really gets you. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking, what's it say? Perverse things to draw away disciples after them. And I'm going to keep going. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, he combined all the years, I cease not to warn everyone day and night with tears. And now, brethren, I commend, to, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among them which are sanctified. And then drop down to verse thirty eight, and it says, And the people basically were sorrowing most of all the words which he spake that they should not that they should see his face no more, and they accompanied him to the ship. So his very last words to the church at Ephesus was, I've given you everything, take that and use it, but beware there's going to be false teachers from outside and false teachers from within that's going to try to pull you away from the truth. Okay? That's what I want to start with. And I'll I'll throw this in for free. Verse 32 says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to His, what? Word. Word. Which is able to build you up. There's two things that He told them at the very end. I've done everything I can for you. I've taught you everything I know. And I probably will not be back again. But I'm going to commend you to God and to His Word. Those two things is what I'm going to leave you with. So what does it take to do a work for God? You need two things. You need to have God. You need to have the Holy Spirit in you. You need to have, and you need to have His Word. And that's it now think about this Paul would start churches and some of these churches that he would start he didn't go back to now a lot of them he did but here he's saying I'm on my way out I, the only thing I can help you with I'm going to commend you to God and His word you've got to have them both okay you've got to have them both but the point I'm wanting to say is there's going to be false teachers come in outside and inside and so that's what we're getting ready to study, some of these false teachers. Okay. So let's go back. Uh, I've got a lot to say, but I, I want to make sure I get through it all. So on our list here, our early church false teachers. Now you look at church history, most of it's from the Catholic side and they're going to pump up all their guys. And you've got to keep that in the back of your head that most of it is biased towards the Catholic church. Okay, and so because that's it. Up until fifteen hundred, that we'd already studied. There's only two churches. There's only a Catholic Universal Church and a Bible-believing church. That's it. There's not all these denominations. Think think about that. You know, today it's like it's mortgage You can go to a hundred different churches. Yeah. There is only two. You got one that teaches the Bible and one that doesn't, and that's what we're looking at so, uh, the first guy on our list is this guy called Philo. And he lived from 20 B.C. to 50 A.D. He lived during the time of Christ. And you'll hear him mention. I'm going to give you some details on these guys. It can go one through one of your ears and out the other. You can write notes. I don't care. I mean, I'm, I'm giving it to you. I don't know if, if it's... We're not going to have a test on it. So, you know, you do with it with what you want. But I need to list them because I, they go along with our study. So Philo is a secular Jewish rabbi and he's living in a town for the city of Alexandria. Now some of you Bible studies all of a sudden when I say Alexandria you already know we got trouble here. Anything in our Bible that mentions Egypt or anywhere in Egypt is always in a bad connotation. Everything. I mean you can't find anything good. And of course the people of the the Israelites were in bondage in Egypt for 400 years, right? And when they came out of Egypt, it's like God is bringing them to the promised land. Egypt was not the promised land, was it? It's the picture of the world. So we know that. I'm, I'm talking to the choir again. So he, he lives in Alexandria, but this is what, what he thought. This is what he taught. He denied that all things, he denied anything that was scriptural. Only physical existed. Nothing nothing spiritual I said scriptural. That wasn't right. Only anything spiritual was negative in his life. Okay, so he would match the thinking of somebody else in our Bible. I'm, I'm going to ask you guys to think. You guys, you guys have start to, You have got to put your thinking hat on when you come in here. Okay, who in the New Testament did not believe in spiritual things? I ask the hard questions, don't I? Anybody in your Bibles? Scholar, You're all of your hands are going to be going up. Okay, you study the Bible. We're told to, right? Who in the Gospels? Who in who in the Gospels? Who in the time of Christ did not believe in spiritual things? And this is going to blow your mind. Their leaders, their leaders, in the Jewish religion—is that possible? That leaders in the Jewish religion would not believe in anything spiritual. Yeah, but there's a group in the in the Jewish church. Uh, I'm saying church, the Jewish religion that don't believe in spiritual things. Okay, so I, okay, I'm gonna have to prove it to you. Uh, turn over in your Bible to Matthew 22. Matthew's the first book, guys nobody threw a book at me trying to keep it a little bit light Uh, Matthew 22 verse 23 and let's read this verse 23 says everybody there says the same day came to him the Sadducees oh now there's two sects in in the Jewish religion one is the Sadducees what's the other one Pharisees And they're always at Jesus trying to trip him up, right? I I get a kick out of that. you got people trying to trip up the God of the universe and get Him to say something that they could accuse Him so they could kill Him. And I'm like, guys, you don't know who you're talking to. So it says, the same day came to Him the Sadducees, which say that there is no resurrection, and asked Him, they're getting ready to ask Him a hard question, So you have a group of of religious scholars in the Jewish religion that don't believe in anything after death. They don't believe that anybody would resurrect. They don't believe in anything after death, basically. That's right. Okay, I I learned that from my friend next door, Steve Fleshman. He goes, the reason they're sad, you see, is because they don't believe in a resurrection. Now, what's the Old Testament teach? Job taught that he would stand before God again one day. David believed and was taught and said that he would stand before God, he would be brought back up. The teaching in the Old Testament was that that there would be a resurrection after 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 death and we would make it, we would stand before God and give an account of our lives that's what the Old Testament teaches it teaches about Christ that he would die and be buried and rise again it says that in the Old Testament when Paul's on the on, on the road to Damascus, he he he's Jesus meets him and he goes he goes Saul Saul he goes why are you persecuting me? You don't hear Paul say when did I per- persecute you? Paul is already having a a, a a fight going on inside himself about what he was doing, and Jesus says, "Are you doing okay with what you're doing, son?" <laughs> he's kind of like, and, and he goes, "You're fighting against me," and so he gets saved. And then he goes in, and Ananias and some of the guys teach him a little bit, and the next thing you know, he's in the synagogue preaching that Jesus is the Christ. What was he using to preach? He hadn't written a book yet. He wasn't using the New Testament. What did he use? He used the Old Testament. You have Philip goes down to the Ethiopian eunuch, and the guy's reading the book of Isaiah. And he goes, you understand what you're reading? And he goes, man, I, I don't unless some man would help me. And he goes, well, I'm here. I'll come up and help you. He comes up and sits with him. And it's the Bible says, and he took the book of where he was reading Isaiah and began to preach Christ. Where's Christ in Isaiah? It's there. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: It talks about the resurrection, the death. It talks about on the cross. It talks about all that in Isaiah. Uh, I think it's Isaiah 53. Everything is there. So, but... Let me pull you back to this. So we have this dude. We have this group of dudes in the Jewish church and they don't believe it. What does that tell you? you got a group in the church that doesn't believe the Jewish religion. You have a group in the Jewish religion that doesn't believe it. But yet they're there and they're a leader of it. Does that strike you a little weird? Just like today, but anyway, okay. Back to our lesson. So you got this guy Philo. The same way, he doesn't believe in anything spiritual. He doesn't believe in a resurrection. He's a Jewish guy. He doesn't ble- so that tells me he doesn't believe the Old Testament. Okay. So he uh, so he did not believe that the Old Testament was even literal. He thought it was just a good book to give us morals to live a good new life. Have you heard that before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It ta- it was just a book to teach us principles on how to live a good life. So Philo reinterpreted Judaism in terms of Greek philosophy. So all these scholars were Greek guys, right? And so today, you know what we'd call this guy, Philo? We'd call him a liberal. In the Old Testament, with with uh, with the Sadducees and the, what's the other group? Pharisees. The Pharisees would have been the conservatives. They're the okay, show me show it to me. And the other guys was well, you know, how should I feel? You got you got and yet I'd never thought about that. They're in the Jewish religion. They're leaders in the church. One group believes it strictly to the letter. And you got another group in there, it's just like, ah, we don't believe it, but we're here. Isn't that wild? I mean, we saw, we see it in the in the New Testament. This guy would have fit right in with him because he didn't believe the Old Testament. Okay, so um, he just didn't believe the Bible. He didn't believe the Old Testament. Well, get this, um, the Catholics picked up on this a few years later, um, also. So quickly, I got to get through this because I, I don't want to glory in these guys, but I want to tell you a little bit about what they thought. We got this guy by the name of Epictetus. That's the next on your list. And let me just run through some of these real quickly. He's a Stoic philosopher. He taught that every man had a guardian spirit, and that God never that God never slid, sleeps and lives inside you. He also taught that at death all men are absorbed into just a divine essence. You're just absorbed into whatever. Okay. Then you got this guy, Serenetus from fifth How early are these guys? These are at the time of Christ. okay, From 50 to 100 A.D. He's an Egyptian Jew. Again, Egypt. He studied at the school of Philo in Alexandria. And he taught that good and loving God could not have created a sinful world. A good God could not create a sinful world. And so he created or invented that God the Creator was a lesser and evil God. Than the true God, the Father. Kind of like God the Father has an evil twin brother. That's kind of what he was saying. Okay? Because, yeah, how can a good God create a world that has sin in it? He could not have done that. Okay? So that's what he's thinking. Uh, He taught uh, docism, which docetism is a heresy that claims that Jesus was just a normal man like everyone else, and that God came upon him when he was baptized, and that God left him when he was on the cross, okay, and so, um, uh, so that Jesus is the only God in the flesh between baptism and when he was hanging on the cross for our sins. Now, I can't let that go, okay, uh, one of the key verses altered in virtually every new Bible. Tran- goes to, in fact, it's translated different than ours. Go to, to Luke 23 in your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke 3. 3.23. I'm sorry. 23. My My uh, high tooth got wrapped around my tongue. Uh 23. Luke twenty three. Did I tell you guys I took speech for about ten years when I was in school up until about fifth grade? I couldn't count either, but <laughs> I couldn't talk right. I still don't talk right. So uh, Luke twenty three. And you're like, yeah, you're not telling us anything new that we didn't already know, Bob. Uh, Luke twenty three, and I want to go to verse forty two. Twenty three forty two. Let me get there. We got the man on the cross with Jesus. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Now that's a pretty cut and dry verse, isn't it? If you go to an NIV today, you know what it'll say. I don't really mean to be beaten on other Bible versions. The NIV will read this way. And he said unto Jesus, Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And you go, well, what's the big deal? They left out the word Lord. Fits right in with the same philosophy that this guy had. He really wasn't God. He really wasn't the Lord. On the cross, at that point, God had already left. Him. He's really not who he is. Well, if that's true, how does that affect us? Then God did not die. For we don't have our sins forgiven, and so there's these little—I I call them nuances or truths or falseness—that so they start sticking in, and, and you'll, not not only do they teach it, but they get crept in down the line with either with the Catholic Church number one picking on them, or on false translations. You'll see them pop out. Okay. So uh, the dying thief said, "Lord, remember me." If Docism is true, then Jesus was not Lord when He died on the cross. Therefore, the Lord is taken out from all the modern Bibles. And in response to this, it's heresy. And if Docism is true, then it would nullify the thief's salvation. And not only that, it would nullify our salvation. Because God did not die for us. We had to have somebody sinless die for us, right? And if He's not God, then He's... He's uh, He's, he's a sinner. Okay, and that, We'll come back and talk about that in just a minute. Real quickly, our next guy is Basilides. I'm pr- probably butchering that name up. 100 to 150. He was trained at, guess where? Alexandria. He taught that Jesus did not die on the cross. That it was really Simon of Cyrene that died in his place. Okay, The Bible tells us that... that uh, Simon carried the cross, right? But he says he's the one that actually died on the cross. Well, get this. All these things that these guys teach, you'll see pop up later on down the line. Now, I'll tell you who popped up with this same thing. The Muslims, 500 years later, picked up on this. Muslims today will say that Jesus is a prophet, but he didn't die on the cross. So they just, it's like when they invent one thing, it doesn't ever go away. It's like paying tax. They put a tax out there, they never repeal it. It just keeps coming, right? These things are the same way. And if they don't, they always, these false heresies, they may teach them, and it may take several hundred years before they become standard, but they come back out. So that's what this guy taught. Oh man, I'm running out of time. Then you've got this guy called Saturnius. So he started a school to teach against the Bible specifically. He taught that Jesus was a lesser God and not human, but an apparition. And I define an apparition as a figment of your imagination. That's what he said. Okay. He taught that man came to this world as a worm. And divine spark came in inside him and he stood up and became a man. That's what he taught. Anybody? Does that sound like anything else you've heard of? Uh, Darwin picked up on that. Yeah. Now, now, men in hell may end up as a worm, but they didn't come here as a worm because the Bible tells us that God created Adam in His own image. I don't think God is a worm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So again, you see this stuff, and then nothing's new under the sun. So Darwin wasn't new when he picked up evolution. There are cave, uh, there are cave writings and pictures in Egypt. Again, Egypt pops up <laughs> that have man descending from the ground as a worm. This stuff is—you you can't beat it with a stick. Study it out, you'll find and get away from it if you want to continue that. Yeah. And and, and Satan is smart because he's the one behind all this. And again, I'm talking about the Catholic Church. I I don't want to put out the point that I don't like Catholics or I hate Catholics. Most people that go to the Catholic Church have no idea why they're going. They don't know what they're mixed up in. They're just lost people. Okay? Right. But it is basically a Church of Satan because it teaches a false gospel again like you said they think works you get it. and we saw that a few weeks ago in acts 15 that even at the Church of Antioch they they had the Judaizers came in and said hey you got to be you got to be what was the first thing they said you've got to be circumcised or you can't be saved and then that was just the first thing and then they said and you've got to follow the law to stay safe and that's it. Everything else comes from that. You have to do something to get saved, and then you've got to do something to stay saved. Everything else comes from those two things. And both of those came from inside the Jewish church when they came down to help. And these guys may have even been saved when they came in and told that. They just—they were just wrong. Okay? Okay, I'm going to go about five minutes and we'll call it good. And then you got this guy named uh, Marcion. Marcion is called Marcion the heretic. How would you like to have that for your name? He taught that Jesus was not human. He just suddenly appeared one day and that his death was really just an illusion. He taught that baptism was was also for the dead. I don't know how you baptize a dead person. Now, I don't know, do Catholics do baptism for the dead? I don't know they do, but I do the Mormons do. The Mormons do a baptism for the dead. I'm not sure. I'd have to go look at that. But all I know is they teach a baptism for the dead. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, he was the first to make up his own Bible. He changed anything he didn't agree with. <laughs> he kind of was like this guy, Origen, that's coming up. Origen picked up on this guy too and he continued. The Westcott and Hort did the same thing in the 1800s. They just promoted something that... They, they found a text that they agreed with it didn't agree with anything else. And they took that text and they even used it and changed it. So, Westcott and Horton did the same thing 1,800 years later. In fact, Marcius' uh, mutilation of the Lord's Prayer in Luke 11, 1-4 is seen in, in many of the New Bible translations to date. If I had time, I would look at that. Their text comes from the Sinaitic Manuscript the one used by Wisconsin Hort that traces back to basically Marcion's first false Bible. So they have a heritage that follows them. So, the question today is, how can people today, historians, call this man Marcion the heretic and yet still use his Bible? And they do. Okay. Um, then there's Clement of Alexandria. Okay, he's a member of the Alexandrian school. He taught that the Greek philosophers were all inspired by God and that the Christian Christianity was just simply another philosophy. It's just like it in India. It's another God. Okay? Clement stated that philosophy was the schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. I got a problem with that. Is, Is that what your Bible says? Okay, I'm going to close on this. Go over to Galatians 3.24. Galatians 3.24 says this, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. Two things in there. The law got us to salvation. And we are saved by faith. That's an important verse. I hadn't really thought about that. But this guy taught that it was Greek philosophy that was our schoolmaster Hmm. that will bring you to Christ. Okay?
1: Well, verse twenty-five says, "But after the faith has come,
0: we are no longer under the school Yeah. So, so Clement also believed in infant baptism. Mm-hmm. So you see that popping up all over the place, yeah. and he also believed in faith plus works to get, get again right back to the beginning, and he also believed that salvation only goes through the church. So again, you'll have. Catholic Church says, if you're not in our church, you're here because salvation only comes through the church. Well, that statement is true somewhat. No, salvation only comes through Christ. Okay. So this guy also believed in star worship, and I didn't get into that because I didn't even care at the point. But he, star worship, oh. worshiping the stars.
1: Star yeah, Star Wars. <laughs>
0: Now you know what? Maybe Star Wars came from that. I don't know. Okay. There's nothing new under the sun. So I'm gonna stop right there and I haven't even got to origin. And origin is just a piece of work, man. And, yeah. and I, I didn't want to say work, honestly. I mean this guy is something. Yeah. And there's more stuff that he says wrong than anybody else. He should be the heretic in here, this guy origin. So we'll start up with that next week and real quickly we'll finish these councils up. Um these councils, I'll just save that till next week, they, they all, these the, the false church tries to pull everybody to their councils, they make a decree of what, what is their, uh, some policy that they're going to make, and then they also have a curse on the churches that aren't doing what they want them to do. And each one of them is different. And you'll start seeing some things as we go through them. So, uh, their, their philosophy is, if you don't join us, we're going to kill you because they also had the philosophy and I didn't get there. One of these guys is that Jesus would come back at 1000 AD but he would only come back at 1000 AD if everybody was a Christian. So if you're not a Christian we'll kill you because we want Christ to come back. That's their philosophy. Everybody has to be a Christian or Christ isn't coming back. And they're like Christ will not come back and let, and that's called post-millennialism isn't it I believe I mean you get, you get this it still keeps popping up in all these guys down through history so let me stop there and um, if you guys want to study these guys out they're, they're pretty fascinating it's kind of sickening at the same time because they just take the Bible pervert it try to go the direction they want to go and again their philosophy is you know if you don't that's one reason why they Wanted to kill the heretics because you know we're trying to get Jesus to come back, and unless you're on the dean he won't come back. So, and you're not going to join us, so you're done. Yeah, it's it's wild. So yeah, Roger told me he had that actually told to him by a priest. Really. You're still a heretic? I'm not a nice Catholic boy. Okay, we even a are. bad boy. <laughs> Well, let's pray. <laughs> going. Father in heaven, we do, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that uh, you, the truth is in your word, Lord. And yet, even though as we go through this, even though this is a sad story, Lord, how you've used this church, and churches that have this same philosophy and cults that pull many people away from from the truth lord help us not not to uh, help us to have compassion for these people and, and give us the words to say that these people need to hear which is the gospel and we pray for that we pray for our family members that are are caught in this and we we just pray lord that you give us the words to say and we pray that these people would turn to you So we. Pray that this morning. We pray for the rest of our day that we would uh, serve you and honor you with what we do and say in Christ's name, amen.